On this episode of the podcast, we discuss Pay the Ghost. Who's in that movie, Dan? Why one? Nick Olas Cage. That means it's Cage Missing July. I mean, no, I mean, I got it. I nailed it. Nailed it in one. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I'm Stuart Wellington, and joining us is my best friend, Jubin Parang. That's right. Elliot's not here. And why is Elliot not here? It's a funny story. Yeah, what's well, sort what's of? A, yeah, I thought it was because I'm Stuart's yeah, new best, he's friend. My best friend. <laughs> yeah, I was told that before I showed up. Yeah, yeah. Can you uh, remember how we met, Jubin? You mind telling us that story? Yeah, I was uh, I was walking down the subway, and okay. uh, I got and I got a call from like you. a platform or the an empty tunnel. I was like walking through. No, I was walking through the cars, like kind of between uh, oh. opening the oh, doors. Not ride between the cars randomly. It's I don't pay attention to signs or doors. <laughs> no, I just wanted to see if there are better seats available, so okay. I just started walking through, uh, and then I got a call from you saying that hey, you're my new best friend. Come to the podcast, and I <laughs> showed up. Okay. And I That's great. Took that at face value. <laughs> underground like I guess. a real yeah. wind up for uh, the end of that how'd story. I get your number oh, from your buddy Mark Gagliardi yeah okay we actually yeah this is a real inside joke but actually uh, that's actually I bet I mean, your fan outside. bases overlap I bet Thrilling Adventure Hour fans are also f- uh, Flophouse fans and he also does a show on the Maxwell we got this Network. that's right yeah yep. I know him I, I mean I know him I know him from high school but uh, I podcast wise I always thought Thrilling Adventure Hour was like his big podcast yeah even though it's I not mean, a I've, podcast it, it is, though, right? Yeah. I think it was a show that became a podcast, and now it's over anyway. Oh, no, way to rub it in. Yeah, I, way yeah. Way to bring it down right <laughs> at the He knew top. when to bring things to a satisfying conclusion. I guess that's not uh, totally a lesson you guys have absorbed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. Is that, I don't is that know something? what you're We're going to run this into the ground, Jubin. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jubin, you're here because Elliot couldn't be here because... Because uh, he's in Sonoma right now. He's in California. Uh-huh. But... He didn't realize that we were recording this week. Okay. Uh, Did he not give you guys a heads up? No, we uh, we were texting about what the next movie would be, and I just happened. And I was like, I can't wait to see you this Thursday. We're you're my current best friend. <laughs> yeah, it was wow, it, it right across from you. Just happenstance that I happened to text uh, this week, and uh, we learned ahead of time that Elliot had messed up so uh, massively. Yeah, and decided to be in California when we had a recording scheduled. Uh, so whatever you say about my stupid tongue, Elliot, I've never mm-hmm. been in a different state when we were supposed to record. You didn't mess up once while telling that hilarious story. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm glad that we spent the time on it. I don't know if you guys should be hashing out your uh, problems over the podcast. Does anybody itself? need a needle and thread? Because your sides have probably split. <laughs> you know? I feel like I walked into a therapy session here and I'm <laughs> yeah. immediately uncomfortable. I thought I'd just come and watch a movie and do a podcast Please with do you not guys. walk into a restaurant because your socks have been knocked off by that story. <laughs> yep, and, th- and that's a health Oof. code violation. Very yeah, uncomfortable yeah. right now. Oof. Uh, so, uh, Jubin, you work with Dan, right? I do. Uh, I do. We're uh, writing for the Daily Show with Trevor Noah now. He's my about. immediate superior, in fact. 
I mean, that's one way to put it. Another way to put it is that I'm uh, a, a friendly uh, guy, one rung on the ladder, yeah, up yeah, above yeah, here. Yeah. You, know? you guys are reaching down like to peers, but not reaching yeah. down with an iron fish. It's like crush the, <laughs> iron crush fish, the common man, a mighty iron fish, <laughs> like a nautilus. <laughs> I wanted it to be d- strict and and painful, but also kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those iron fishes that sings to uh, <laughs> yeah. to uh, rock me down that river. Yeah, chill everybody out. <laughs> so. As we I, uh, mentioned it up top, I just want to bring up that it is Cagemas in July, which is the special time of the year that happens once a year yeah. when we watch a Nicolas Cage movie in the month of July. Yeah. It seems like you guys do like a lot more specific theme weeks and months now than the last time I did this. Is your, <laughs> well, have you guys yeah, Dan, started what do you think about that? Much like, uh, much like society itself, the longer we're around, the more myths uh, you know, just <laughs> develop over time. See, the human brain longs to determine patterns in this world. They try to find order in chaos, Juven. And then enshrine them so in the we traditions. Watch, that... When we watch one Adam Sandler movie in December, it immediately becomes Sandalvember. What? Wait, oh in December? Yeah. Why would it be Sandalvember in December? I don't. Oh, I, I can't explain these things. Form, the guys. human brain this works is, in strange this ways. How society split up? Like how small timber happens in November. No, then you got it backwards. Shocktober happens in November? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like you guys are being bullied around by your fan base. You're the ones who can dictate the terms of the podcast. I don't We're, like to ascribe the title of fan onto anybody. I, what, really? <laughs> yeah. Is the, is fan is derogatory? No, I, I just, I feel like that's a, uh, that's a term that you can apply to yourself. Uh, because I don't want to assume that somebody is a fan. And if somebody were to assume I was a fan of something, I'm like, oh, maybe just I just like your thing it? a little bit, dude. Yeah. Chill out, oh. man. Yeah, yeah. Tone it down. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's derogatory. I would just say. Oh, just not every listener is a fan. Exactly. There's some of their hate listeners, I guess. Pro- I would can only assume I'm from pro- listening to some <laughs> of our episodes. <laughs> uh, but okay, yeah. This is Cagemas in July. The other time of the year, other than Cagemas. Where we watch a Nicolas Cage movie. In December. In December. When we watch Adam Sandler movies for no, Sandalvember. There's no such <laughs> holiday. We have watched a couple of Adam Sandler movies, but they aren't oh, they, God, they I, codified. I wish so hard that like in come like uh whenever September like September you guys are doing Sandalvember <laughs> against your will, but somehow it's become a tradition. Yep. I I don't think that is a long shot. That is very easily something that can happen. We are li- we are running out of times on the Flophouse calendar when we can just throw in a regular movie. It feels like it's all mm-hmm. I mean it all starts around now. It starts it's the holiday season. <laughs> yeah. It's can a, I pitch something? It's that Christmas creep, as the McElroys would say. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Jubin just asked if he can uh, pick a movie for us to watch, Dan. That, that seems normal. Why don't we just let him? What are we going to watch? That? Well, I was going to suggest that January become Japanuary, okay. and you watch a movie from Japan that is a bad movie or a critical flop. Okay. Right. Uh, as long, if you still got free space on the calendar, the pun's there, the I mean, month's yeah, there. The, yeah, I mean, it's an ironclad defense I here. think, yeah, it's, now it's done. Oh, that's a strong pitch. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess it's Japanuary, although, uh, yeah, no, I guess that's, I mean. Then it's settled. That's a little bit outside our wheelhouse. Well, let's not make promises we can't keep just yet. I think it's kind of become a tradition now, isn't it? <laughs> sure. We've been talking about it for three if minutes. you say it three times, Candyman shows up <laughs> and kills us all. This is actually interesting. The movie we're watching now, I remember the last, I think the movie I did was a Nicolas Cage movie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
Which one was that? Trespass. Oh, I wasn't I think here. Was, I think I was subbing for, for you You that got time. to be me instead of you getting to be Elliot. Yeah. So your role's going to shift a little bit. I've tonight. got to reference a lot of 1930s movies mm-hmm. that don't have any relevance to the topic, we're but kind of just show your, off my knowledge We're going to play your audio file at 1.5 speed. Fantastic. <laughs> Which is great, because then you'll that's, actually listen to it. That's how I listen to stuff, so it makes perfect sense. Um, so let's talk about the movie that we watched, I guess. Uh, we don't have any more business up top. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we did have any business. <laughs> sure. um, this is a movie called Pay the Ghost. Pay the Ghost. Pay Man, the ghost. so Elliot's not here now. Normally, Elliot, uh, our third person. So this is probably a great jumping on point. If you've never listened to the show before, just rewind it, listen to what you've already listened to all the way over. Now you're at, you're at the same spot that you were before. Okay, thanks for explaining <laughs> that. Okay. Now we're going to listen to, uh, you're going to listen to us talk about the movie, and Dan is going to summarize it. Uh I need a little help on this, but... Uh, okay, so the movie opens uh, way back in ye olden times in New York City. 1657. New York City? <laughs> Indeed. And this family has been making paste pecani sauce. Mm. Uh, and it is wait, no, not liked by the townsfolk. That's the one that's made in Texas, right? No, that is the Paces? one made in New York City. Wait, paste yeah. is the one made in New York City or oh, the no. rival salsa? The rival salsa. Okay, so the rival yeah. salsa is being produced by this family of uh, Wiccans? Witches. Kelton. Uh, Keltons. Celtics. Kel- Celts? Uh, Celts. Celts. Mm-hmm. Celtics, so uh, so it's kind of mysterious. A woman throws some kids with weird masks down in the basement, close the door, and then all of a sudden uh, you hear a bunch of screams, and then smash cut. What three hundred? No, years, well you hear one years? of the kids scream "Mama," which the kids shouldn't have said, and then another kid clasps uh, his hand over that kid's mouth. Okay, but that's what tips off whoever is upstairs that they're hiding in the basement. Probably a monster of some kind. We oh, can only certainly. Assume. Who would uh, who would assault a woman like that upstairs? <laughs> So the <laughs> assault a woman upstairs. <laughs> upstairs. Downstairs. Instead of in the assaulting yeah, parlor. Downstairs. Uh, uh, so smash cut to what? 350 years? 400, how many years? I don't know, Current, man. modern day. Whatever, whenever yeah, you're watching this, that's when this is happening. 2015. Yeah, and we've got one Nicolas Cage who is on the verge of becoming a bad dad soccer dad. Uh-huh. Because he's never there for his kid. He's, uh, he's too busy chasing that tenure dream in the library at the college he works at. Yeah. Which it seems like a much more important goal than like carving a pumpkin with his kid, which no, I think this, is what this specific thing was, right? Always my thing. With there's these always going to be time to carve pumpkins, guys. And you'll always there. Know, there's a little t- song called Cats in the Cradle <laughs> that I think would say otherwise. I don't know. I think they it, eventually got that cat in that cradle, though. And I think that's <laughs> what works out. At one point, Nicolas Cage even looks his son in the eyes and he's like, I make a promise. And a promise between a dad and a son like, is the most important one ever. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. Every bad dad says that. Yeah. (laughs) Every shitty dad's like, I got you a toy instead. Uh, But yeah, he's supposed to be there for Halloween to carve a pumpkin and go out tricks or treating Mm -hmm. with uh, his little kid. But uh, his his long-suffering wife has to go out Alone with the Kid, uh, played by Sarah Wayne Callas, who you might know from uh, The Walking Dead. Now, she's the one that Jubin thinks looks like Natalie Portman. Yeah. And you think looks like a friend of yours who isn't Natalie Portman. Yeah, well, that that's really helpful for the listeners at home. Yeah, I'm painting a picture a for them. <laughs> that looks like, sort of like Sarah Wayne Callas, okay. who looks sort of like Natalie Portman. So, I'm congratulations just, to me, I guess. You're not friends, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I met Natalie Portman once, not to brag, but yeah. I sat behind her. Uh, I don't know, your tone sounds like you're bragging. It, 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 a little bit, I guess. I sat behind her at the UCB Theater while she was sitting a row ahead of me, and I could smell her hair. How was her laugh? 
Uh, I didn't hear her laugh, I guess. I was too busy trying to... I was too busy trying to laugh casually myself in a way that she would think was kind of cool and want to turn around and hear who that guy who laughs in that cool way was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't really pay attention to her. Um, but I did notice her hair smelled pretty nice. That's mm-hmm. nice. Okay. Yeah, uh, she caressed it. Yeah. As, yeah, as you <laughs> snipped a lot. I had it in my mouth most of the time, <laughs> just kind of casually chewing on it. At no well, point did she seem to recognize I it. mean, smell is a huge part of taste. That's, what that's how says. I would know what it smelled like. You can't be sure it's lavender until I've got it like all in my taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like swirling a glass of wine around your mouth. Yeah. Squirling? Squirling. I don't think swirling that's the right around. verb. <laughs> I'm going to defend Dan. I'm going to be not like you guys, and I'm going to defend Dan's verbal slip-ups. Okay. Squirling is a perfectly uh, understandable guess, way to say why, it. Why, because you're filling your cheeks with... Yeah, you're just swishing it around like a squirrel darts back and forth around trees. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a beautiful so visual metaphor. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm on your side, Dan. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Wow, emboldened. Dan moves forward with the plot. Uh, well, I'm we're... your best friend on the ladder rung, one above you. <laughs> sure you are. Sure yeah. you are, pal. Um, anyway, so, so, uh, Nicolas Cage comes home, uh, chuffed that he has in fact gotten his, uh, tenure. Hell yeah. You know, so. He got his fucking tenure. And. About time. He says to his wife, honey, now everything's going to be better forever. It's going to be different. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's me, Jimmy Stewart. For the rest of my life. (laughs) For the rest of my life, it's nothing going to be smooth sailing for all three of us. As long Especially as no one son. steps on my blue suede shoes, we should be all great. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds a lot like Elvis Presley in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. Is that how he's... I even don't think I've seen as many Nicolas Cage movies as you guys have. Mm-hmm. But he sounded particularly like Elvis Presley in this movie. He's always kind of mumbly, but he, he's, he's more so, I think, in this film. So uh, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit, guys, to reveal the inner workings of the podcast. This, I think, was the first time we've ever had to turn on the uh, the closed captionings for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> because we, like the first couple scenes, we couldn't understand a word out of his mouth. Yeah. Juven had to fill me in uh, that they were not in Arizona and that at, that at some point that Nicolas Cage was trying to get tenure. I think yet you literally could not hear that area. They said the word area and it sounded like Arizona. Yeah. It was a really bad sound job. Oh, Archie's on my lap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The listeners love to hear yeah. about Archie, so mm-hmm. don't keep any Archie news. Cat. He's a very friendly, fun cat. Here's one thing, by the way, just a small thing, that uh, we don't really see what his uh, what Nicolas Cage's field is in when he gets tenure, but all he does when he's in <coughs> class is just read out uh, spooky stories to the students. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. you've. I've attended a lot of college courses, guys, and a lot of them feature a guy reading a class of students in costumes a story. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, fir- the first one was like a poem, right? It was like Goethe, I think. I think. But still, like... Yeah, but it could have been like a long... Before form. class. I, I mean, I'm not familiar with That's that specific true. Goethe work, but it could be one of his longer works, like yeah. Faustus or something. Oh, hello. Archie's now moved over mm-hmm. to my lap. He literally ends the class by saying, don't ever forget that Poe and Lovecraft... Yeah, he's like, pour one out for Poe and Lovecraft yeah, tonight. they wanted to scare the shit out of you, and the class, la- the class laughs because he said a bad word. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he just showed that he was on their level, like he's a cool dude. I don't see how he could have gotten casually. tenure, though. I think his tenure was, was granted inappropriately, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. And I think, I think the movie Based is really a punishment swearing. for him. Yeah. <laughs> sure. 
I think his son's abduction is in some way a punishment for the for the ease of tenure with which this university. Oh, okay. Bestowed. So, spoiler alert: his son gets abducted. Uh, we knew that was going to happen. The kid was seeing ghosts all over the fucking place. <laughs> yeah. They go for a walk at the carnival around the corner. Yeah. The the dad is like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for uh, for not being here. Let me take him out to the carnival for just thirty minutes." Okay, you did a pretty good Nicolas Cage right there. Yeah. yeah. The the problem it was subtlety. Yeah, I brought yeah. it back. Well, yeah. So while they're at the carnival, the kid's looking all over the place and up in the air, he's like seeing these fucking vultures flying around, uh, which kind of look real, but also totally look fake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like they stepped from the streets of the, of the Big Apple all the way down to the Big Easy because it feels like we're in Nolens, baby. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, right? Like it's like a street oh, fair yeah, with yeah, uh, the, stilt walkers yeah. and... Mardi Gras, Carnival. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, so they, Nicholas Cage goes and buys a swirl ice cream cone from a dude who is way too tall for the ice cream counter he's working at. <laughs> it, it like oh, He you, basically has to order from the guy's belt buckle. You point out the guy's crotch cleared the shelf. Yeah, yeah, and, and the then Nicholas, Cage, uh, Nicholas Cage's son disappears, and he's like, Wait. where's my son? And he's like, I can't see him, even though I have this elevated perch, which should give me advantage <laughs> on all spot checks. <laughs> you think as an ice cream man, I'd be particularly uh, like uh, able to look at children, but no. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that his job experience makes him better able to spot kids I in mean, a crowd. I mean, it's just money in the bank, right? Yeah, like, exactly, you see kids, exactly. you, see potential, uh, you see potential sales. Victims. <laughs> They're the victims. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call them in the biz. So, but this is actually an important point, though. Right before the kid disappears, yes. he looks up at his dad and says, "Did you can or can we pay the ghost? Can we pay the ghost?" Which uh, at this point we're like, "Hell yeah, we got the title of the yeah. movie." Nicholas Cage doesn't really care. He's like, "I'm already reverting not to my absentee father." Yet. He's like, "Shut up, kid! I gotta pay this guy's crotch for this ice cream." <laughs> then we can pay the ghost. Then we can pet, pet the, the ghost all you want, little guy. <laughs> Get a little boggling. What? I imagine. I just, just like the, the movie sounds like you know, like the title sounds like they're at uh, home. Every month doing the taxes, or every month doing the taxes, <laughs> every month doing their bills, yeah, uh, being like, "Honey, do you remember to pay the ghost?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I paid the ghost. This, uh, it's, it's on auto pay, so uh, the ghost gets paid no That's matter the what. Thing. You lose your credit card. They switch the numbers out, but you forget the auto pay. So then the yeah, auto then pay doesn't like, go through. Um, all my fucking porno subscriptions, they uh, lapse. I, I can't watch all my pornos. But you can't forget the ghost because you got Mr. Skin. You got to think <laughs> I'll get it next month. <laughs> yeah. And then look what happens. Yeah. And your kid gets taken by the ghost. And your mm-hmm. wife leaves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, then you can't even go to Mr. Skin because your account lapsed. <laughs> Speaking of which, the son gets taken by the ghost and his wife leaves him. And uh, Yeah, one, but, uh, Nicholas Cage later. freaks out for a minute. Uh, his wife freaks out, serious style. Yeah, she's like, why couldn't you have protected him? I'm just going to make this peanut butter and jelly with the crust cut off and, uh, I don't know, stick it in a bag and hug it. <laughs> yeah, she goes through, like, every phase within, like, five minutes. Like, the sobbing, the crazy, the the uh, looking out the window. That's the thing. Uh, it's it's uh, expediency in storytelling, Juven, that you have an entire story in a single scene, like in the movie Unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't think about this movie's efficiency. Yeah. So I like when I see a story, just to get through the whole point of it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Practicality. I don't need atmosphere. So then we flash forward. Uh, it says one year later, but they're lying, right? It's it's uh, one year minus three days. days. Yeah, uh, because it's three days before Halloween, and Nicolas Cage is a haunted man. Uh, he's going around 
stapling wanted, want, not wanted posters. <laughs> wanted, yeah. <laughs> wanted. Bad, bad boy <laughs> Bart for robbing my carriage. <laughs> wanted my son dead or alive. <laughs> and then the smaller no letters. Questions. Preferably alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes just to get some answers. <laughs> Uh, no, he's he's putting missing posters. No questions asked seems like a really weird <laughs> caveat to put on any kind of a contract because you know most contracts require at least one or two questions, right? Yeah, but no questions asked is like I'm that desperate that okay. I won't consider any criminalities that you might have engaged you in. You can't to even get be like, oh, thanks for catching my son and bringing him back alive. Would you like a glass of water? And the guy's like, I said I agreed to no questions. It said no questions are going to be asked. I'm taking your son back. Mm-hmm. This deal's off. I remember when you like when you think someone's like when you lose a ring or money and you you want it back, you put like sign out saying like you know you know reward for return, no questions asked, which kind of is like you, if like, you stole it, you like Craigslist or like posters all around the neighborhood, uh, like no okay. questions asked. Kind of be like if you stole it, just bring it back, and I'm not going to call the cops. Yeah, like man. I'll give you just be cool percentage. Yeah, this it, this ring belonged to my you know my mother's friend. And I have it for a weird My reason. I, yeah, <laughs> for some reason I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to get into questions. Thanks for using an anecdote we can it's all an identify with. It's an heirloom from my mother's friend <laughs> that's been handed down through mother's friend through mother's friend for generations. If I start asking questions, other people start asking questions. It's just the whole thing. Yeah. How did you come in contact? With no, this I said, we said no questions on either side, man. Um. Well, where do we leave off? Oh, so you know, Nicholas Cage is still. So he's obsessed. got one of those like. Evidence boards where it's got mm-hmm. a bunch of pictures and a map. Although, as we pointed out while watching it, there's not a single piece of red string to be found. He has not made any connection. How would you yet. visually connect any two pieces of evidence exactly. without that? I don't understand. And he keeps going to it the... Might as well just be like a dream set board, <laughs> like a secret. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, his, uh, it's a vision board. Yeah, is yeah, a vision board. He keeps going to the police and calling them lazy for not... Uh, Finding his son, even though it seems like this one police officer, the one case he has is finding this guy's son. Like he seems like the most dedicated New York City police officer that, and he clarifies that they're not lazy, and I can't disagree with him because that office is immaculate. It is the nicest New York City police department office. I've only been to a couple, but that looks like a. The cubicles are well organized. They're, Everything looks clean. There's like beautiful staircases that go up. There's carpet, which I've never seen in a police station ever before. I'm sounding like I'm a real expert in police stations. <laughs> I've only been to a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are all are for you normal. Yeah, yeah. Those, these are all normal reasons. <laughs> you weren't being hauled in because of that wanted poster. <laughs> it said no questions asked, and I was very clear about it. Um, Mr. Brain, can you explain why you had in your possession your mother's friend's ring? <laughs> uh, I believe when I came here, uh, doctor, I mean, officer, wow, doctor, wow, I really. <laughs> he can be a doctor, really too. <laughs> Maybe he took classes at night school. Police officer's a doctor. <laughs> officers can be PhD. doctors these days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a fucking TV show. That's a pilot. Officer, right officer, doctor? officer doctor? Oh, my God. Like, he he like heals the gunshot wound while he's prosecuting the case. Exactly. Or it could be a she Jubin. Yeah. Oh, I don't think people believe that. Women can be officer doctors. (laughs) (laughs) And she also works at a magazine in New York City. (laughs) She just Mm -hmm. can't find that boyfriend. She's a a triple threat. Okay, so uh, uh, what's he, he hasn't found his kid. It's a year later. Yeah, his Nicholas, wife is like, I'm not into you that much anymore. Yeah, she's like, give it up. And then pretty quickly, they kind of get back together, right? After yeah, he has well, a couple of run-ins with possible ghosts. Yeah, we'll get there. The Nicholas Cage sees him uh, 
sees his son on a bu- bus uh-huh. and he chases it down. And it's one of many scenes where Nicolas Cage runs and you're like, oh, don't make him run like that. He's getting old. Yeah. Yeah, his gait was a little wobbly. Yeah. But he still ran like what looked like seven avenue blocks yeah. chasing that bus. Yeah, I mean, the chase scene took forever. Yeah, it was very dull. <laughs> yeah, it was like 25 minutes to run seven afternoons. It was blocks. weird. And the bus didn't make a single stop, which is... Yeah, exactly. And there's people waiting. They're yeah. waving their tickets or whatever people do for the there's bus. There's like a long line of people running with him like after the bus just because yeah. they wanted to get on it. Now, the sun isn't actually on the bus, of course, but when Nicolas Cage gets off the bus, he's uh, in this uh, dingy part of town and he sees a dilapidated building with the graffiti pay the ghost on the side of it. Mm-hmm. And so he light he bulb explodes above his head. Like, what his son what said? Yeah, this is like, this is he had forgotten this uh, all the year, even though it was literally the last thing his son said to him, and it seems like it could have been a clue. <clears throat> so he goes into this abandoned warehouse, uh, abandoned except for three vultures that are pecking away at something outside. Which I think if I saw vultures in New York, I would assume that they escaped from a zoo or something. Yeah, right? like that's a big bird. What are, I don't know what they're indigenous to, but it's like, got to be like the desert southwest. I mean, right? yeah, based on cartoons, I assume that they're yeah, in like, they're, just, they're like they're just, yeah, they're yeah. eating the legs off of the guy in the croc cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> they live in cow skulls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's their economy, Dan. They mm-hmm. trade those <laughs> cow skull based economy. The older the cow, the more valuable the skull. That that it's only makes horns. sense, dude. You got yourself a millionaire, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, so he goes in and he finds a bunch of homeless people in there and, uh, yeah, it's that like movie trope of, uh, the guy leaves his sheltered, uh, like suburban life. He finds a weird, uh, warehouse that's just filled with like skills or mole people or like Dennis Leary's gang of people mm-hmm. from demolition man mm-hmm. that are all living underground. And I think, I swear we've seen other Nick, like that one Nicholas Cage revenge movie. Was it Ray age? Where he's, uh, I can't even remember these movies anymore, Dan. My brain. Yeah. Uh, you were pointing out, though, that is a, that is a trope. There's a lot of scenes It where, happens like, all the time. People think there's just, like, whole communities living underground in New York. Yeah, I mean, it's in New York. I, there was, like, or, like, the abandoned mall downtown, yeah. like, things Whereas like we that. we all know that Giuliani got rid of all the chuds. Yeah, he yeah. cleared them out himself with a flamethrower <laughs> and a hatchet. Speaking of flames, now there's this, like, wailing woman... Who uh, is in this this homeless area? Like this wailing woman's voice, and whenever this woman wails, the flames of the barrel fires light up. They 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 uh, burn all the heavier. That seems and, pretty normal, right? Yeah, and uh, cliche, honestly. Nicholas, <laughs> a lot of real cliche ghost uh, things <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. happen here. Nicholas Cage asked this blind homeless man what the deal with this is, and he's like, I don't know. The screams happen around Halloween. Go figure, man. They seem pretty blasé about it. Yeah, Nicholas Cage is like, well, all this stuff adds up. I'll see you guys later. I'll come back uh, for the third act. Homeless people it, in movies like are like children and dogs. Like they seem to go be, on. <laughs> they seem to be keyed into <laughs> unable this. to support themselves <laughs> financially. <laughs> they're just treated Depending on a society that by and large doesn't care for them. Mm-hmm. They're treated as if they're key. They have some special connection to the spirit world. Oh, that's really true. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like in the movie Revenge of the Nerds, where the nerd, after raping the girl, makes the explanation that uh, nerds make better lovers because they have, uh, unlike jocks, they who spend all their time thinking about sports, nerds spend all their time thinking about girls, which is crazy because nerds spend all their time thinking about nerdy shit, not sex. But 
So what I think it, it, what they're trying to say is that these homeless people, they're not caught up in the rat race of oh, like okay. our commerce and uh, yeah, economy. More spiritual. They have more time to like, yeah, just connect mm. with the earth and the spirit realm. And when you were a kid, you saw and talked to ghosts all the time, you know, but mm-hmm. somewhere along Casper. the way, the money kind of just took your attention away from all of that. You <laughs> yeah, know? Exactly. Yep. Talk to Casper all the time. Was the one ghost <laughs> that annoying the Casper ghost. ghost. <laughs> God damn it, Casper! I'm busy. We're like uh, we're like Robin <laughs> Williams on. in that Hook movie. Like we've kind of got wrapped up in in being businessmen mm. when we could be Peter Pan's. Yeah, or Robin mm. Williams in The Fisher King, where he was a crazy homeless man. Oh, and he is connected to the spirit world, right? Sort of. He's like a necromancer in that movie. He Does he bring to the fantasy grail? Uh, world. Oh, that's the same thing. Yeah. Did you use a kid or a dog? <laughs> Just like a kid or a dog is connected to Arthurian legend. I mean, there was same that Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. Yeah, but yeah. he wasn't a kid or a dog. He was. A, I thought he was a kid. No, you're thinking of a, a kid in King Arthur's court. <laughs> what is you're that? Right. Is that a movie? That's a movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, basically Mike is uh, Mike is Nicholas Cage's Cage. movie. Uh, he is the, he's twigging to the fact that there's something supernatural going on. Yeah, he's seeing his kid, he's mm-hmm. seeing the things the kid said. Unsurprisingly, the police, the detective in charge of the case, not really into it, but he does do a little bit of research. He goes and uh, inve- and he's starting to realize that on Halloween, all uh, there's a lot more missing children, and almost none of those those cases get solved. Uh, yeah, the the percentage of cases that get solved of missing children on other days that aren't Halloween is higher than on Halloween. So something is going on. Uh, I'm assuming this is a New York-based statistic. Yeah. Which that, is where the movie's set. They were looking through the New York. I also got to say, I was pretty impressed that they didn't say, like, all these kids were found not on Halloween, but on Halloween none of the kids were found. They actually said, like, a slightly lower percentage of the children are found on Halloween, and it made it feel a little bit more believable, like... Because otherwise, you think every somebody would have realized before Nicolas Cage's character. Yeah, just the fact that he saw a statistical difference that, yeah. although not huge, was enough to make him realize that it's statistically significant. Yeah, it's like the Big Short. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really he was uh, the Big Short of haunted children. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Nicolas Cage has tried to make his wife uh, believe that something's going on, and she is not having any of it until she sees a kid's razor scooter rolling around the house on its own. Yeah, and then she's like, "All right." Doesn't she look at a haunted iPad and become a ghost for a little while, and then cut up her arm? That's later. That's okay. later. Uh, at first, it's just a razor scooter that okay. turns her around. Doesn't take a lot to get these people immediately believing lot. in supernatural phenomena. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She forgives Nicholas. What Cage. a way to date your fucking movie. Have it be a razor scooter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a haunted pair of fucking Heelys <laughs> scooting around the floor. The haunted hoverboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a pair of Uggs just circling around for like Sure. <laughs> it's a haunted. Those were his favorite shoes. <laughs> a haunted Pokemon Go app. Mm-hmm. Way to date our podcast, Dan. <laughs> I, I am. For future historians. Yeah. For future historians. <laughs> yep, thank you. <laughs> um, but anyway, so. They start uh, working together, the Nicholas Cage and his wife, uh-huh. and um, the one who looks like your friend. Yeah, and Nicholas Cage Natalie is Portman. seeing visions friend, of things like um, children burning up and ghost children staring at them, all pale like, and uh, so they call on a psychic to help. 
Yeah, I mean, that that actually kind of seems like a natural choice at this point, because I think they realize that there's something going on. The detective, on the other hand, is doing a little research. He investigates the mother of one of the other missing children, and when the woman explains uh, what her daughter said, which was something very similar to pay the ghost, a it causes a grease fire, and we're like, whoa, the ghost like, is on them. down in the homeless basement? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a theme that's building here, mm-hmm. and I think that I don't, I feel like if I if I if I was them, I would go for a psychic too. That seemed like a pretty yeah, yeah. rational. Either a psychic or maybe a fireman <laughs> to burn just, burn the house down. Well, no, just there's get always their kid down. Oh, wait a minute. Like I think you're misinterpreting what firemen do. No, I but because like there's the a ghost fire seems- house, you call the fireman to come and help <laughs> the fire. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm cold. Can you warm me up, fireman? <laughs> Rapidly and too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The no, but the it seems like the ghost clearly has some kind of fire-based powers. Yeah, well, not the well, least of which because he takes the she takes the psychic, the ghost, and burns the hell out of her from the inside <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So that uh, it was that was a scene that was one of the many scare scenes that was aided by uh, a little bit of. Uh, CGI trickery, a little bit of fancy computer mm. graphics to make it a little more Digimagic. special. Yeah. yeah. So Ones she flies around and stuff flies out of her nose and her eyes change colors. And then yep. she's, wait, so they have her in the kid's room to try and figure out if there's something that she can do. The, mm-hmm. the wind suddenly like comes in through the window, smashes against the wall. Something she chokes her to death. In tongues or something. She's crying out, and then like you can see, smoke start kind of pouring out of her mouth and nose. Mm-hmm. Like she just ha- took a huge hit off of her vape. Yeah, pipe. Yeah, like she was the coolest psychic <laughs> you've ever seen. And, uh, and so the police come and like take the dead psychic out of the apartment, <laughs> and they're like, uh, "Something just weird." Stick her with the rest, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage is like. Uh, there's some force that stole my son and the detective's like, um, you just seem to have a lot of shitty stuff happen around you all the time. Like people getting kidnapped and psychics getting burnt up. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're to blame. Well, he says, maybe you shouldn't leave town for a while. And part of me's like, I don't know if there's all this trouble happening around him. Maybe you should leave town. Yeah. He's bringing a lot of bad shit in here. (laughs) It's weird. The detective went through like a, like a, Usually, people go from skeptic to believing the story in these like supernatural movies. But the detective went from kind of believing it initially to seeing this uh, psyche being wheeled out and being like, "Whatever, man, I believe in facts he's and like, logic." He's, he's like, like, "You probably killed this psyche." Yeah, like he, like, he it over. He actually kind of like the more it's confirmed for him, he kind of just abandons the theory that there's supernatural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like I think the I would have liked it. The <laughs> yeah. What's the other case that these two people invited a psychic to their home? The psychic was like. There's nothing here. You guys are crazy. And so they just beat her to death. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Stick a flamethrower down her throat. That's the thing. The simplest answer is probably the most. Is they probably true. her from the inside. Yeah, yeah. They fed her too much spicy food. <laughs> they gave her their three alarm chili. It was weird. I went, when, the, when he first started. You wouldn't want to try the five alarm chili. It's no, way no, worse. No, God, no. No, you got to go uh, blow your nose out after that. Your organs <laughs> liquefied. I think you, you were like you were. We were saying like when the detective was initially uh, when he heard the evidence, he kind of started investigating the supernatural possibilities, which initially felt like, oh, this yeah. is like a a cool thing. Usually, detectives are like become an obstacle to the protagonist. 
Yeah. Well, at least he was like, oh, okay, you know, like there's some there's some uh, indication that something is going on on Halloween. Well, which- yeah, because Nicolas Cage actually brings up something that isn't exclusively supernatural based. Like he's not like all my evidence posts, uh, all my evidence. Posits a ghost is. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's like uh, there's something actually happening on Halloween. Maybe you should check that out. Mr. Detective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think you're so big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's because you have a badge and a gun and a handsome face, <laughs> Mr. Detective. I mean, he was a good-looking guy. Yeah. He's got. He's got. I didn't see a ring on his, his finger. Whole time. You think I have a chance? Thing. Is that what you're saying? What? You think I have a chance? I think you do have a chance, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, you I mean, can't hurt to talk to him. Just walk by. From you know? Ghost. I mean, yeah. Everyone's- I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just start a conversation. You mm-hmm. can say that you liked uh, his face. No, wait. Rewind mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you should say like, you liked nice that he face. did his uh, his police work. Yeah. You know what? It's not going to help hearing it from us. You just got to be yourself, and you just got to go up yeah, there and be, be like, just tell him what what you're all about. And I think, and I, you know, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Yeah. Um, this detective from from Pay the Ghost is not. Uh, <laughs> Start dating you, then I think it was just, it's just, you know, there's other fish in the sea. This is a big, crazy world, Dan. Yeah. All right. Thanks, You deserve a chance at love with the detective from Pay the Ghost. Um, I'm going to try and date that detective. (laughs) Wow, you're going to scoop him. So, uh, where where do we, oh, what happens next is the, uh, Charlie, the kid, Mm -hmm. possesses uh, the wife of of Nicolas Cage, his mom, and is like, Oh, she's coming. I'm scared. So you know she's possessed because she moves like super duper fast. Yeah, she moves like, like a Japanese uh, ghost. She lady. moves like Jet Li would move if they didn't have to slow down the video <laughs> for his kung fu moves. So you would say if Jet Li was a Japanese water ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, she's also carved this symbol into her arm. And uh, while she's under the influence of ghost possession. The ghost being uh, their son. So yeah. their son is sending a message from beyond the pale. Beyond the pale? Yeah, yeah. That's like from beyond the grave. Yeah. Beyond the veil. Okay. The wedding or veil. beyond the veil. <laughs> yep. Their son's getting married. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible they had to find out through it's, an arm you know, carving. What if they're not going to accept his lifestyle, that's going to be what it is. I've still got a life. I'm trapped by this woman in, a, <laughs> yeah. in, a, in an ethereal basement, but I'm, I'm, I'm still playing the field. I met someone, yeah. Still kind of going around. Um, so they, they've got this symbol, and luckily, luckily they don't go to the cops and be like, uh, my wife also has this uh, thing carved into her <laughs> yep. arm. The detective at this point is just building a case file on Nicholas Cage. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no, they go, they go to Nicholas Cage's friend, like weird Germanic friend at the uh, yeah definitely Scandinavian or German the university the yeah. university and they look up the symbol which is a Celtic symbol and they realize that there's an old Celtic uh, they pull out their monster manual and yeah. they check that symbol <laughs> against every evil deity well they don't they don't find out what the symbol is at the university oh yeah, yeah. they they find that out later on. What they do at the university is just discover that there was there was a Celtic uh, uh, church in yeah. old New oh, York, right. uh-huh. which was and once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, <laughs> I can't say. I can't say. People just like it better that way, I guess. So, and they find out that 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 church does a special ceremony once a year on the night that it is right now in the movie 
Halloween. Yeah. And they do this dope-ass Wicker Man party yeah. where everybody wears robes and cool animal masks, and they sing these kind of weird songs. And so they go up to this lady who's, you know, celebrating Salon. <laughs> Which is the stupid old name for Halloween. Uh-huh. And they're like... It's not as scary. Our, uh, our son disappeared on Halloween. We think that he'd been totally ghostified. And this lady's <laughs> like, I'm just a, a teacher from uh, where, like... Bayside? Bayside. Bayside. Yeah. Like, I've, look, man. Like, basically, just like, I'm just a crazy wicked lady. Don't, don't talk to me. just have fun here, yeah. And then they're like, come on, give us some more info. And, but then, like, yeah, they show the thing on uh, the wife's, the symbol on the wife's arm. And suddenly this lady turns into ghost expert number one. Yeah, yeah, She's like, oh, you have a symbol. Okay, so this is every single thing you could ever possibly need to know about this thing. The entire legend is explained in that, in like, in her next six sentences, right? Mm -hmm. She says how, what, what, so what's, what's the entire storyline behind this? Uh, Well, the symbol is of, like, the crone, which uh, it comes and it steals three children every Halloween. Yep. And that's a... that's paying the ghost. And he's like, wait, so is the crone the ghost? And she's yeah. like, yeah, probably, dude. I don't care. Yeah. And I'm from Bayside, yo. But she starts every sentence by saying, like, legend says. And at no point it's like, <laughs> what legend? Like, where are you hearing this stuff? And uh, I do the same thing when I'm bartending. People are like, what do you have on tap? I'm like, well, legend says we have a six-point sweet action. Why is it called that? Well, the legend says. <laughs> I've heard tell the bathroom was two doors to the right. But you wouldn't want to go there unless you want to use a bathroom. <laughs> Prophecy foretells that we take credit or debit. No American Express. Yeah, of course not. American Prophecy tells that American <laughs> Express charges higher rates, dudes. But, uh, yeah, like, and there's these kids burning little ghost... Uh, little kid dolls in the fire and that's because they don't want to be taken by the ghost that's a that's the sacrifice that they're making to the well, ghost so, but, that's, but that goes all the way back to the first scene right so what actually happened was yeah well this is this is like it half of it gets explained by this lady and yeah, half of it gets explained outline. by like the german lady back at the university because like the first part is just like this general thing about the supernatural but I think they get enough information that he's like, all right, that place that I heard that lady crying yeah. that said, pay the ghost on the wall. The lady's like, the the bond, the bonds between the two worlds become permeable on Halloween. And if you want to go get your son, you got to do it tonight. But you can only do it tonight because after the first year, the, ch- the three children that uh, are taken can never return. And you're like, thanks for giving me a ticking clock and having really weird rules, dude. Yeah, thanks for giving me the all the rules I need to I know. I guess in Bayside, they do things strange. <laughs> <laughs> but here in Manhattan, we do things a bit more swanky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me where the cocktail lounge is, where this ghost is, so I can go there. That's a, you know, the weird thing about this, uh, not a weird thing, it's just like the thing that always happens with these rules whenever someone comes to explain it, it's like, they always give the exact correct amount of information. There's never like an extraneous rule. It's always like it's always exactly what they need to hear when they need to hear it, and never there's never like a second legend she heard about how like if you turn the chimes westward on the 14th day of November, then the ghosts will also dance for you. But I guess that's not really relevant here. It's, it's just it's they're such like, a I keep turning these fucking chimes, and the ghost isn't dancing. Just oh no! Just have the main character be like, ah, okay, that's we don't need to know that. Like this other thing seems more important. 
That's if it's it's it's, it's a little lazy. Uh, it's all lazy plot. Yeah, let's say a little lazy. A little lazy. <laughs> this Bayside teacher happened to. What have. did they show up and find a lady who just gives does an info dump on them, and yeah. they're like, "That's exactly all we need to know." Wonderful. Thanks, lady. Thank and they're like, like, "We don't even know your name." She oh, just turns out that and she's it's just Briar, re- of course. <laughs> she's just reading the Wikipedia page for the ghost. <laughs> yep. Um, Look, they, they leave, and she's like, "Those guys didn't even ask me my name. Just <laughs> them so much info. Not even a, not even a tip. Not even a thank you." Yeah, yeah. Uh, give you know, my, this uh, like my Facebook page. This festival isn't free every year. You know, <laughs> costs money. It comes alive. It comes out of my pocket. These songs are on my Bandcamp page. <laughs> so Nicholas Cage obviously like realizes. Obviously, I have a really great to, podcast. He needs to race uptown to where the there was the graffiti that said "Pay the Ghost." Like that's where he's got to go. <laughs> Because that's where the wailing woman was. Luckily, and in the cab, they get a phone. They call his, uh, his Scandinavian friend, friend who says, uh, gives all the information you need, all the backstory of the ghost, gives the ghost name, all that shit. Then she leaves her office. She's like, what's that in the corner? Ghost pushes her out of a window. She's totally dead. Yeah, but that's what was happening in the first scene is like this Celtic lady was being blamed for something. I can't remember. And Oh, the, yeah, we get a flashback. The back. angry townsfolk come in and they kill her and they or they grab her and they grab her children who we saw in the first scene and they burn her children in front of her which is why there was a vision of burning children later on in the movie yep and that's why she, and she gets burnt and that's why she has all these fire powers so while she's watching her kids get burned by these dudes with really gross faces mm-hmm. she says she gives the curse so she's like you guys all thought i was a witch well fuck you i totally am a witch i'm going to curse you and it's going to work forever uh, so that happens, which is kind of troubling. I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, and then, so she burns alive. You, What's you, that? Yeah, you know what? You're right. Because, like, well, regardless of what happens in the end, they don't really resolve that curse, right? Well, the well, curse let's, is... Let's get to the end and we'll... And, and yeah, I, mean, I just realized that. Well, the, the curse isn't resolved, and it's such a common thing with any kind of, like, a witch story is they're like... This person was killed because people thought she was a witch. And guess what? She totally was a witch. Because she cursed yeah. them. Yeah, she totally has the power to be able to cast spells on them. But it was also like you would think like as a victim of injustice herself, she would not want to revisit that injustice among other innocent people. You would think that. You would think that. <laughs> but you would also think that like... They're not, they're not very progressive politically, I guess is what I'm it's saying. It's also the idea of like, oh, in history, people burned women for no real good reason. Yeah. They yeah. were not spellcasters. But this is us re- re- saying that in history, yeah, there's a chance some of them were casting actual spells. Yeah. <laughs> I think more often than not, they got it right. <laughs> I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I can't recall. But I remember that I went, when I went up to Salem, Massachusetts uh, for a wedding, I was really annoyed at how around the town there were all these like witch things, like oh. like a, like witch. Pointy hats. Like, pointy hats. And like there was a, there were like, Wax museums and a, <laughs> a, a there was wow. a statue. Oh, Hollywood's Jeffrey Tambor in the flesh or the, wax. There's a statue of Samantha from Bewitched, the uh, the sitcom. Oh, in the middle of the town square. And I'm just like, <laughs> it'd be great if it was all wax statues of Hollywood celebrities, but all being burned at the stake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the statue Tambor. of Samantha. It says. Samantha would have been would have been burned alive under normal circumstances had she gone back in time for some stupid reason. Jim Carrey burned to the stake for his rubbery face. <laughs> but it really it upset me like the degree to which like oh this town has made a real nice uh, tourist uh, yeah. dollar off of these poor innocent girls who got killed. 
Yeah, by your ancestors. You, doesn't it kind of make you think that they died for a worthy cause, though, to advance the tourism industry? The, <laughs> the Massachusetts yeah. economy. I mean, if you had to die because you're being accused of witchcraft, I mean, there's not... It's at least not at least some flower blooms. Yeah, it's not unlike when you die, Dan, which will probably not be that far in the future. Mm, you're I'm sure going to want th- your ashes to be spread oh. upon a field so that your no, your life giving body can give forth to new life. Mm-hmm. So you hear that, something? I, well, I got a letter from your doctor. Uh, it was handwritten for some reason. Got that? <laughs> His doctor but. said he's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was all uh, cut out letters from newspapers. <laughs> it was a said something that... about playing a game, and I'm like, I don't really care about playing a game. <laughs> it's a I threw it away. Refuses to pay. <laughs> like I'm... this is too long. Honk shoe. <laughs> I'm sleepy. Throw away in the garbage. <laughs> Guess it's good I know about it. I mean, I yeah. I mean, on I, balance, this is, this is, yeah. There's a warning. Um, sorry, but I, I, yeah. Like he, so he, he goes to like he goes back to that place where, uh, where it was all the, the homeless uh, community. They're pretty much all gone. They're out playing in the at the carnival. And he finds the blind guy with the dreadlocks, gives him a watch. The blind guy with the dreadlocks is like, okay, I'll take you to the other side. He shows him this magical bridge with in a smog room or a fog room. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a bridge through basically nowhere. Like yeah, it's no the sort space. of thing that you're like, oh, he's wandering into fucking the set of Nightbreed all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, that's what it reminded me. It reminded me of something out of Hellraiser 2 rather than like... Yeah, Anything without the super it. crazy stuff. <laughs> without, without the great stuff that makes Hell Raiders 2 The super giant awesome. geometry hell. <laughs> How great also that like the eternal portal between this world and the other world is like 30 subway stops away from where he is. Like he can just he, like how convenient he can easily get there. That's super convenient. That's part of the convenience of living in Manhattan. You know what? Human. It's great. Yeah, you can. Really I'd like to show you this apartment. It's sun drenched <laughs> and very near a portal to the other there's, world. There's no roof. Steps from the subway. <laughs> it's, steps. It's other world adjacent. <laughs> it's four hundred steps from the subway. <laughs> the cries that damned are in my ear all night, but I can take a cab home. So, so he rushes into the nether worlds, and he goes. It connects to the cabin that we saw in the flashback. And he goes and he gets the he goes into the basement where the kids were hiding and he goes down and there's And this is like her old house. He goes back into like the the old house where she was murdered or pulled. He goes back in time. He does not need a DeLorean. He's just no, back there. Just that long bridge. He does not need ZZ Top. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Doesn't need the power of love. Mm-mm. So he's down there in the basement, and that basement is this big room filled with scary ghost kids. The very basement. Her children hid to avoid. And it's that was kind of the. I think that's thing a great scene. I think that's a great uh, scene that's slightly undone by special effects, but it's a scene where he goes downstairs, and it's all these little ghost kids looking at him, and yeah. because they were all abducted on Halloween, they're all wearing costumes. Yeah. And he he says his, he's like Charlie, and all the kids raise their hand, and he's like, mm, "It's a little heartbreaking." Prob- yeah. yeah, they all think they're Charlies. They're all- <laughs> I thought they were all just trying to like get to get him to like take them, oh, yeah, and be like, uh, "I'm Charlie." Yeah, remember me? Yeah, remember I'm your me? Little boy. You're, you're precious boy. I look like a girl now, but believe <laughs> you me, like an old timey newscaster. This has been happening for 300 years, yeah. right? It's gonna be some 1940s girls there. I know I'm a Native American girl, but. <laughs> I'm you know, Charlie. I can be your Charlie. I mean, that's the great thing about Halloween. You can be anybody. Yeah. So he goes downstairs and he's like running his hands like he's like he's Maximus going home to his family in heaven. And he's oh, running his hands through fields of homage. wheat. <laughs> uh, but as he touches these ghost kids hands, they turn into uh, smoky ash, which 
is kind of lame. Like, I mean, I understand why they did it that way, but the more special effects you put into a scene, uh, a horror, a horror scene, the less scary it gets. Oh, that's an interesting theory. I yeah, like that theory. think about it. Well, it is also, I think we may have skipped over this, but like as part of the info dump that she gives them, she says that only the children who have been abducted the last year can be saved. So all these kids yeah. from 300, 400 years yeah. are like are gone forever. They can't be, yeah, no they can't be saved. They're ghosts uh, already. So he eventually finds his kid and he finds the other two kids. Was it weird that he walked past that whole group of uh, teenage girls dressed like sexy cats? <laughs> that, felt, that felt gratuitous. Yeah, yeah, you're like, sexy ghost, nurses, why do you, why sexy, do you abduct yeah. them? Yeah. <laughs> They're not really Seems kids. Like, yeah. It doesn't really fit your curse. Ghost needs a little something for mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed like more like very moralistic of her. I'd be like, oh, quit dressing like sluts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a Jason Voorhees type. Yeah. So, she, so he grabs those three kids, and he goes rushing up the stairs, and he goes out the house, and then the other kids start to follow, and you're like, what's going on here? They're glowing. And then he goes across the bridge, and you hear Mama crying or shouting. You find the ghost on the bridge. He gets in a fight with that ghost, Dan. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? Get, yeah, he gets totally blastified. He gets blasted all, and this ghost is crazy because when when it's fighting Nicolas Cage, it looks like this roasted-up little turd. <laughs> but when it's talking to the kids, it looks like this beautiful uh, Wiccan lady yeah. from 1697 or whatever. They're seeing pre-burnt and yep. saw when he's Well, I he's think what the post-burnt. ghost is trying to do is to uh, pacify the children and be like, hey, it's not that bad if we're going to go hang out in this weird basement because I look like a normal person. Yeah. And it's also one of these movie scenes, though, where like the ghost has about as much power as it needs to for whatever scene it's in because it can apparently... Uh, emulate a woman from inside out mm-hmm. but when he's fighting Nicolas Cage all I can do is sort of like slam him around a little bit yeah, yeah. I mean he's really tough though yeah <laughs> what's he seen him run yeah <laughs> yeah Come on. I mean, yeah, he ran form, but he runs distance though <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah they, uh, so he fights the ghost while floating above the bridge for a while and then all the other kid ghosts spurred on by Charlie surround uh surround mama ghost and drag her away allowing our heroes to escape they re- they realize that they if they can't save themselves they can at least save these three mm-hmm. of their brothers and sisters so nicholas cage i off screen i'm assuming returns pablo to his father who we have previously seen as turned to heroin use after his son was uh, abducted so that i'm sure will be a happy ending no wait that wasn't pablo that couldn't have been pablo because right? that that was two years ago Oh no, that dad. Yeah, no, that dad should be on okay. heroin so for the right reason. He shouldn't yeah, that, take yeah, Pablo. No reason. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this what is about not my Mia? dad. What about Mia? The uh, I think Mia. Yeah. Okay, so he takes her back to her mother at the restaurant. I mean, you don't see it, but I assume yeah, he didn't I just can keep only those two kids as his own. Yeah, kids he didn't now, like. Yeah. He's like, I'm the ghost now, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, does she go down the underworld to get you guys? No, <laughs> you're my children now. Uh, Marry each yeah. other, and then he returns home. They're all happy. Cut to an after credits teaser scene, we see a couple of vultures feasting on the dead body of his friend uh, from the university who is impaled on a bunch of rebar and her eyes pop open and we're like, the end question mark? I don't know what that ending was supposed to indicate. What on earth happened? The ghost hasn't been paid yet. Is she going to come back to, I guess she's inhabited the body of her, it can't be their friend. I don't know. Also, like, why is her body in a dumpster, like, many, I mean, it's many not a, miles I don't from know where she it, was killed? I think I think it's in the construction site adjacent to the university building that she was thrown out the window of, Jubin. That he could not have gone to this abandoned, homeless-filled No, but area she was right thrown. In, 
she was thrown she was in the university and was chucked out the window by the ghost. And then she landed on something. I mean, maybe oh, it's, I the maybe they're adjacent in that area. Right I mean, outside. I don't know. The, the movie, vultures are going all over the place. What yeah, I like the movie it, what plays I it pretty happened, fast and loose with Manhattan geography. What I think happened was the she was smashed out of the university building, landed on the university campus. Uh-huh. The paramedics were like, it's Halloween. We got so much stuff to do. <laughs> Too much Let's just chuck her in a dumpster. We'll come back later. Too busy. Forgot. And now she's in the dumpster off the east side of Manhattan somewhere. Uh-huh. So it's uh so the next movie is more of a tale of the horrors of Kind of like the wire, I like the horrors of like <laughs> how the systems of our cities are kind of collapsing. She's a ghost trying to go through bureaucracy to get her body discovered. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and the people that slip through the cracks. And the dead bodies that it's slip a, through the it's cracks. It's yeah. an amazing amount of social commentary. Yeah. Pay, pay the ghost too. It's the it's best a real indictment of, yeah. of, our, of our social systems. Yeah. Uh, so now it's time for final judgments about this movie, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, Ooh. or a movie you kind of liked. Uh... I'll go first, mm. and I'll say that it is not a very entertaining movie. <laughs> it's kind of slow, but I barely kind of liked it. I don't know. Like, I didn't... I, I think I kind of liked it by default, just because I didn't dislike it, and I didn't think it was funny. So <laughs> that's the closest of the three categories I can get to. Is like, you know. So you're gonna kind of keep one foot on shore here. Yeah, yeah. it did all right. Neither. It all hung together. Like it made sense as a as a movie. Like a little too much sense in a way. Like the they were a little too into explaining everything that happened in the in the movie. But uh, I'm gonna say with a heavy heart, I'm going to call this one a bad bad movie. All right. I don't think this is the worst Nicolas Cage movie I've ever seen. Uh, and I don't think the movie is actually, as a horror movie, it's that bad. Uh, but you don't really get that, like, Nicolas Cage doesn't put in that much of a fun performance. There's not a really a lot of memorable stuff here. Uh, it's just, there, I don't think there's, a, it, everything's kind of cliche. There's just not enough there to really recommend it to spending your time on. Uh, you know, actually, I think I might lean in Dan's direction. I agree. Actually, now think about it. There wasn't a lot of things to to remember and hold into. on to, but it did zip by at a pretty good pace. <laughs> sometimes, like two. Sometimes, like this is the one thing about the thing. But they like the psychic died, uh, like in their house, and like five hours later, they were spending the night in that house when the next ghost event occurred. So there was a lot of like just kind of getting through the movie that I kind of liked. And yeah. the story itself was kind of interesting. So a psychic gets exploded by a ghost in their house. Five hours later, they're like, I'm going to try and catch some Zs. It was, and he was like, so I can't sleep. Can you? Can we maybe? And she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> and so she's trying to sleep. And then her iPad switches on mysteriously. She's like, I'm going to fucking look at this thing because who knows? Maybe I got a push notification. <laughs> maybe there's a rare ass Pokemon in my neighborhood. <laughs> she picks up the thing. She sees a ghost image. Oh, no. Now she's a ghost. Like, fuck off, dude. Don't you? know that's gonna be a but it's ghost. pretty quick though you know like you don't spend a lot of time like I nervously right. waiting you zip through it and i i think and this is my my big problem with a lot of like uh thriller uh, ghost movies is that the ghost it seems to me is always killing and hurting people when the ghost wants help uh-huh. and i feel like this is one of those times when like oh the ghost genuinely wanted to try and prevent what was about to happen <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what didn't want the kids were trying to reach out to scream and the ghost was preventing it and the kids at the end of it all like in that that in massive enormous infinitely sized room with all those kids 
that was pretty cool. I'm going to say this movie just kind of tips on the good bad side, uh, side okay. for me. I I did kind of want to see a, a credit sequence uh, scene though, where uh, the detective comes back and is like, uh, "So your son just came back, I guess." Yep. And he's like, Can "You explain that your friend is dead. <laughs> your friend is dead, and you have these two other children who've been missing." <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say this is suspicious. And he's like, it's going to be a long story. <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Cage, you're under arrest. <laughs> my name for is Mike. S- <laughs> for stealing my heart. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Throw the book at him. The three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon and is standing over a hoard of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventures? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon to say, us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I, I, <laughs> I roll to charm new listeners. It is very effective <laughs> against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host the Adventure Zone. It's a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. <laughs> <laughs> Now we move on. Uh, pay the ghost. Hey, how about paying ourselves? Nice. <laughs> yeah, done. clever. With uh, a little bit of flophouse housekeeping. Yeah, we got some uh, some uh, sponsors. What? Um, our first sponsor tonight is Blue Apron. Uh, for less than ten dollars per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal rep- recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. So basically, you get. Uh, ingredients sent to you with a little recipe to cook it right up. Yeah, have you heard, have you seen this stuff yet, Juven? I've seen competitors, but I've heard that Blue Apron has the best, and I'm not just saying that because. So I'm the last couple of, last couple episodes we've been doing this. Yeah, you're in our flop house. Yeah, uh, the last couple episodes we've had Blue Apron as a sponsor, and it's been great. And every time I make a joke about how Dan is this sad guy eating meals for one by himself <laughs> over his sink. Or garbage can, depending on what what's available. Um, <laughs> I love these jokes. <laughs> I could not be happier. Uh, but that's one of the great things about Blue Apron is how you get your prepackaged ingredients. So you're not like you're not like me, who you're like. I feel like some scallions on these scrambled eggs, and you buy scallions, and you're like. What am I going to do with all these fucking extra scallions? <laughs> Why did I buy the 40 pack? I guess I'm going to be eating scallions for every. <laughs> I guess I'm going to put in my lunch, my lunch pail. My Lunchables. Has, yeah. I'm going to cut open my, the plastic covering of my fucking Lunchables, Dan, and sneak <laughs> scallions in to my single serving pepperonis and little chocolate mint. I have to pack. throw out the little red stick to make more room for these scallions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll eat the uh, the the liquid cheese with a green onion instead of the little plastic red stick. <laughs> it's just one cracker, fifth, like five scallions, and the other cracker. Uh, but the great thing about this is you get a lot of different variety of uh, types of meals. You get uh, it's very flexible. You can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences and choose. Oh, that's pretty good. You don't uh, just get like what they think you should be eating. No, yeah, you can. I mean, like. There's vegetarian options. There's options for if you have certain dietary problems. Uh, if you can choose delivery options to fit your needs, 
you know, if there's a week that you can't have it, like we're uh, going to the conventions to cover uh, that for the Daily Show, and I have a trial Blue Apron uh, account, and I can't cancel for the weeks that I'd be away. That's great. You'll oh, be so clever. there's not food rotting in my foyer. I'm just sitting outside, the scallion smelling. Um, so instead, you'll be eating. Uh, you'll be wherever the, the convention is, and you'll be eating what like. Spaghetti with chili on top, or whatever they eat. You'll be eating tear gas. Is what you'll be eating? Uh, oh boy! Oh. Conventions. You'll be eating me? crow when you find go, out oh that God. they have a lot of great stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be violence. What I'm saying. But uh, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com/flophouse. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hell yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be hurrying back to cook meals for yourself. Yep. Oh, That's I assume great. they come in servings of two or three, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for, are for the whole you family? yourself yeah. over? Yeah, yeah I'll be, I'm here. <laughs> they do. Let's they make do, something. They come in either servings of two or a family-sized serving. And the yeah. servings of two is, is good for me, though, too, because I can... I can have one left over. You can splurge a little. Yeah. You can treat you, yourself. You can make a little yeah, play I can, for Archie. Yeah. Stuff myself. <laughs> I can just engorge. That'll make you feel better, right? Yeah. I can eat my feelings. You can invite over your friend Jubin. Yeah. Who's looking for a best friend now that he's found out this was all Wait a ruse to get me. <laughs> I said Elliot was my my former best friend, and now he's gone. I and now you, you're my now he's oh dead. my god, I know you so well, Jubin. We always do this. You left the dots there for me to connect. <laughs> and you knew that I was gonna connect them. Okay, guys, and in addition to that sweet sponsor, we have an even well, maybe just as sweet Jumbotron message. Uh, now and the message, this? This, uh, this is a Jumbotron message. So if you want to get a message on the Flophouse, either as a, as a business or as a personal message, you can go over to MaximumFun.org and fill it out, and then you get to put it up on our thing. Oh, this is pretty cool. We get to read it out loud in our sweet voices. Usually it's me, sometimes it's Elliot. Oh. Uh, and this message goes as follows. Are bad movies getting you down? How about a good film written and directed by a fan of the Flophouse? There what? are fans of us, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's called Prep School, a dark and twisted tale of adolescence and revenge set at an elite California boarding school. Prep School stars Carly Schroeder, Ben Bellamy, and the star of Peach's favorite, that's us, just one of the guys, Clayton R- Roner. Prep School is now available on iTunes, DirecTV, and other fine VOD platforms. It's a small movie, but hopefully not one deemed worthy of Small Timber. Now. It's a thing. Small Timber is a thing. Now, I probably mispronounced all those words. And as far as I'm concerned, the star of just one of the guys is Joyce Heiser. I mean, yeah. So there there can be two stars, right? No. There can be, <laughs> if I recall, there's only one star that at the end of the movie ripped open her shirt <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, a, and, and a ushered PJ, us into a adolescence. Film and, <laughs> yeah, that was played on HBO all the time. That's the moment where puberty happened across the country. Uh, I am pretty impressed that you guys are influencing the next generation of filmmakers. That's, <laughs> yeah. uh, sounds uh, sounds like a mistake. Yeah, I don't. It's going to be a lot of in jokes and uh, castle freak references that aren't going to make any re- uh, sense to people outside. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you guys should search for Prep School on iTunes or visit prepschoolmovie.com. That's all one word: prepschoolmovie and then .com. 
to check out the movie Prep School today. That's really impressive, making a movie. Yeah. That's, you, you guys should check that out. <laughs> we should check out the you, movie Prep we, School or we check out just, making movies. We should have just, we should have, we should have made a movie. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> were here for fucking ever. Right? I feel like I've wasted my, my time. I mean, I think we learned some stuff, right? Um, Ghosts are terrifying. Yeah, I learned, <laughs> I learned about what a Bayside teacher in Queens knows mm-hmm. about, about bizarre myths while this guy was out there making a whole movie. Mm-hmm. The same night, I presume. Ugh. That's what happens when you're a creator as opposed to some kind of jerk. <laughs> just consumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to say before we move on that uh, our DC show on That's August 5th. DC Comics, Detective right? Comics. Uh, it's August 5th, Friday. Yeah. Our Washington, DC show at Black Cat is almost sold out. I believe there are approximately 20 tickets left. Uh, I don't know. I hate to say this, but I hope by the time you hear this, it's already sold out. And you hear this and you click on it and you see that sold out. And and rend your garments. You feel like a real idiot. You smear ashes on your face. You messed up big time, buddy. And then you can tweet us and we'll say, I'm sorry for making fun of this. (laughs) Just sitting there refreshing the link over and over again, hoping somebody (laughs) returned the tickets. That's not going to happen, buddy. You can't return tickets. They're not refundable. Then you I go on StubHub and yeah, uh, I'll stuff. scalp some tickets. Uh, <laughs> I bought up a good chunk of the seats, yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. looking to unload them at fifty times the price. <laughs> wow! You don't want to risk these poor flophouse people having half an audience, do you? No, no you'll pay yeah. top dollar. <laughs> Contact me, Juben Parang at the Flophouse Podcast are you, are you listening, Mom? Juben somehow got a Flophouse Podcast email address. <laughs> But if they still exist, and if you if you want to be in an audience of uh, five hundred rabid Flophouse fans, and or five you know four hundred fans and hundred people who just wandered in because they'll go to any fucking thing, then uh, <laughs> then get on. Your future We have not to be even announced them. the movie, and we're not going to do it tonight. Yeah, because we still haven't figured it out. So follow the Flophouse podcast on Twitter, and we'll probably announce it the day before the show. <laughs> Uh, but now it's time to move on to letters from listeners like you. Perhaps you wrote these letters. Okay. I don't know. The first one says, Dear Jubin, you're my favorite. Oh, boy, we should Dan. listen to this. Person. What? <laughs> Wait, so you're my new best friend? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. So this first letter is from Full Name Withheld because I accidentally deleted the email. So I don't remember. Full name okay. is voluntarily withheld. Well, you delete the email, so this is all just coming from memory. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I have uh, photographic memory. This goes, Computer Peaches, screen. I'm spending my Saturday watching the Stuart trilogy of movies. Uh-huh. Head of the Family, Invisible Maniac, Castle Freak. Mm-hmm. There's so much TNA for the gents, but as a female flopper, I want some dicks and man-ass. <laughs> Can wow. Dan and Stuart please rec- recommend some movies for your female listeners who want some DNA? I'm not asking Elliot because he only recommends from the Hayes Code film era. Wow, uh, what a slam. So oh, Elliot slam. I wish he was here to, to So movies blush. for the ladies. My number one movie doesn't actually feature any dicks, but you should watch it anyway mm-hmm. if you like a hundred pounds of wait, way more than a hundred pounds, tons of pounds <laughs> of man meat. You should go watch Magic Mike XXL. So you can see Channing Tatum and all the other boys flex their beefcake bodies uh, all over each other and ladies and whatnot. And it's all good, clean, kind of dirty, but kind of clean fun. There's no peen in the Magic Mike movies? There's no peen in the Magic Mike movies. If you want to see peen, I don't know, watch Shame so you can see Michael Michael Fassbender's weenus. 
That's uh, that was going to be my top uh, recommendation. Your top pick to watch a man go through the uh, go through the struggle of yeah, coping with sad. sexual addiction. <laughs> if you want something sexy, I don't know whether it's. Uh, yeah, watch know, Hollow Man so you can see Kevin Bacon's uh, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Bacon's half invisible wiener. I uh, I would recommend not a movie, but the uh, what I think is the first episode uh, to our premiere of Vinyl. Uh, now canceled HBO TV show okay. that features Bobby Cannavale exiting the shower, uh, totally starkers. You get to see his hog. Let me tell you something. That man is packing. I not only did I see uh, it uh, in uh, vinyl, but I was a big Boardwalk Empire fan, uh-huh. and there is a scene in that movie in that TV show. Oh my God, who is it? the full name with hell is going to really enjoy this? There is a scene where he is uh, in the middle of having sex with a prostitute. Very roughly, uh-huh. uh, when an assassination attempt is made on him, uh-huh. he very deftly uh, maneuvers himself so the prostitute takes the bullet multiple times, uh, then kills the assassin, and then uh, soaked in blood, heaving with rage, with a uh, leather belt wrapped around his neck as he's into getting choked, okay. he stalks down the hall looking for other assassins, totally naked, Whole swinging some pipe. Ding dong. Well, let me tell you uh-huh. something. It is a terrifying sight to behold. Uh-huh. When you see it and the uh, directing and uh, cinematography on this, and I do say it's cinematography, is beautiful. So if you are yeah, interested yeah. In, in... So he's in, like being led around by this uh, like dowsing rod of a ding-dong that's just it's flopping around, on leading a mind of its own, hunting down uh, yeah. anybody who might cross him. And I, let me tell you something. If, full of name with health, if you, if you, want, if you like your uh, sexiness with a little bit of, of terror, uh-huh. Bobby Cannavale, yeah. somewhere yeah. in the third season of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, if you like... Uh, violence, like fighting along with your uh, yeah. If you like a bloody snuffleupagus, you can. Uh, <laughs> there's the Eastern Promises. It's, uh, Vigo Mortensen is totally nude while fighting off a couple of Russian yeah. assassins. You got Bronson, where uh, Tom yeah. Hardy is nude. He's like, just ro- yeah, oil me up so I can fight these dudes while I'm naked. Uh, yeah, that's usually when you see male nudity is when the the man is in intense danger. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's not tenderness. If you want to see just people chilling out while they're naked, watch, I don't know, Don't Look Now, but stop it after the nude scenes. Because <laughs> that movie sucks. Whoa. It's also pornography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you can watch the that. Most if you want, <laughs> yeah, if you can watch tenderness, you can see the tender pornography. Uh, but I appreciate, I appreciate, uh, I always appreciate when a woman comes in with as much perviness as uh, one of us. So uh, I hope that we were able to help you. Uh, with a few recommendations. It's a good thing, yeah. It's a good thing Elliot wasn't here. He wouldn't have had that Bobby Cannavale thing. No, nope. he would have had like uh, yeah, 1944's. Oh, uh, Michelangelo's just... statue of David has a hog on him. <laughs> I'm like, um, shut up, nerd. In Vertigo, <laughs> give me your answers to the homework. In Vertigo, Jimmy Stewart's giant <laughs> waist wasted pants. You can sometimes see a little bulge. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the 1936 uh, romantic comedy uh, Moonstruck in Moscow features uh, a sly wink by then famous actor uh, Marvin Persimani. And oh boy, did, did uh, Governor Calvin Coolidge, then known as Calvin uh, Sweet Walker Coolidge, uh, small note studio head in the, in the, of the Warner Brothers Pictures, formerly known as Coolidge Pictures, uh, reminded me, interesting, of a 1954 flick called Sweet Golly, a musical that was... Uh, sweet <laughs> I like that your impression of Elliot is like an old-time newsreel <laughs> announcer. I don't know how to do impressions. <laughs> um, so this next letter is from RP, who writes, 
I'm sending this in anticipation of Father's Day on February 1st, so Dan has time to get his shit together. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's February 1st, uh, 2019. Here's the deal. Mm. Dan's voice is eerily reminiscent of my dad's. Same timbre, huh? tone, cadence, even word choice. Of course, he's about a decade or so younger, but it's still creepy. That got me thinking about the time I tried to show Wet Hot American Summer to my dad. I figured, hey, he's a fun guy. And he's also Jewish and grew up in Maine, so this will go well. It did not. He watched in stony silence, and when it was over, he turned to me with the sorrowful eyes of a man who has just mentally buried his eldest son. (laughs) So here's my question. What movies that you love have you tried to show to your parents that went much worse than you anticipated? Um... Wait, a movie that I showed my parents and went much worse than was anticipated? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I remember showing my parents, uh, recommending About Schmidt to my parents, not realizing that they would see uh, they would see that movie and realize that they themselves are getting old and that their lives are... Uh, oh, they live in the Midwest wow. and they're getting older and they're like, we don't like this movie. Oh, I'm like, but it's great. Think, yeah, they took it's, this like you commenting on like I don't know. <laughs> I guess I think they in the, they saw when uh, Jack Nicholson treats himself to a medium uh, blizzard <laughs> as a treat for uh, sending money to that African kid to uh, Indugu, yeah. the African kid. That they saw like that kind of a little victory as being very depressing and yet eerily reminiscent of the little victories they give themselves. But since then, they've been climbing mountains, they've been living life to the yeah, fullest. Yeah. Huh? Uh, hopefully, not listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just telling you, like, you were right, son. We did think that <laughs> about Schmidt was totally great. You're the best son ever. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I have something that exactly like like this. Uh, showing a movie to my parents and going worse than I anticipated. I remember that when I was uh, young, because I was the movie buff, I was the one in charge of like taking my bike down to the uh, video store and picking out a movie. I remember coming home once with Wayne's World and my parents just being like convinced that they would have no interest in seeing Wayne's World. And you know what? They kind of liked Wayne's World. They liked it? Yeah. So that was a... But you liked the movie Wayne's World? Wait, what? Come on. Let's keep going. All right. Oh, so you're not you're not a Wayne's World fan? No, I'm just messing with you. Oh, I was I, I was thinking that you were. I I think now there's like this burgeoning theory about like how Wayne's World was not a good movie and everyone just has nostalgia for it. Oh man, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember it being very important to my life. That's what I'm saying, though, right? Everything about my personality. A lot of those movies, you got to go back and be like, was it really? You know, was uh, was the Transformers movie really the seminal artwork of the 1980s, or am I just kind of uh, exaggerating? I mean, it was. I mean, it was Orson Welles' last great performance. Sure, sure. But was that all it had going for it? Uh, I mean, Optimus Prime dies, but is that you know, you got the touches in there. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess yes, I guess it is the seminal artwork of the 1980s. Never mind. Uh, This one goes, dear Flophouse. Long-time writer, first-time listener, quick question. Has the show always been about movies? I'll take my answer off the air. Mega Dittos, Ken Feist. <laughs> I, gave Dittos. It, I gave his last name, uh, Ken Feist, because he made a video for the Rocket Crocodile on the World of Tomorrow song that, as he says, has puppets, stop motion, and boobs. And uh, yeah, it's a really great video. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I put it on the website for last episode. I'll probably, if I recall, if I remember, I'll put it on the website again for this episode 
but you should check it out. And that's really the main reason I read this letter was just to give him. Yeah, his, give him uh, some props for putting together a great yeah. little video. Uh, which was a music video for a song that was put together, what, two years ago? Yeah. By, uh, was that Jason Michael McIsaacs? That's right. Uh, Our Canadian listener, Flophouse yeah. pal. Uh, who's great and put together a great little music music song <laughs> out of sound clips from our past episodes. Yeah. So you guys have way too much interaction with your fan base. There needs to be some Disney style clearing of the canon, some resetting mm, everything back to okay. the basics. Yep. The three of you in a mountain shack for a few months, just watching movies over and over no, again. I'd rather a situation where if uh, people don't like something that they write, if they write enough emails to us, we just change it entirely. So if people are like, we're tired of that house cat character you're always doing, I'll just write them out of the show. Why is he going to be here anymore? Because the show's scripted. We go 100% open to fan interaction and changing. Exactly. Wow. Exclusively, yeah. That's very radical. That'll, that'll well, that's bankrupt it's, Dan and me. It's similar to uh, American Idol, how they have a show where you're like, if I don't like that person's face, I don't vote for him, and they get kicked off. Oh, God, what a terrifying future this is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. a terrifying future. <laughs> Throw myself at the mercy of the <laughs> listeners. So the last letter of the evening is from Dan, last name withheld. McCoy. Mm-hmm. Who writes, Dear Floppers, my dog is weird. When he's oh. on a walk and has to poop, he'll often just stick his butt right against a chain link fence and poop in someone else's yard. Oh. <laughs> what should I do? I don't want to trespass, but also my dog's poop is in their yard. Thanks, Dan. Well, first off, I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, it's what like a when you're a kid, for the neighbors. When you're a kid, and uh, you know you have your friends over, and you want to impress them, so you sit on a, a wooden table anytime you want to fart because it makes the sound really loud. I see the dog is as following the same uh, the same method where he's like, <laughs> "I'm going to show you. You think a normal poop is weird? I'm going to show you one through the strainer of a chain." Yeah. <laughs> These four equally separated poops. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen a Play-Doh Fun Factory? <laughs> that's basically what I'm doing here. Guys, I got a theory about this letter. Okay. <laughs> I think Dan is putting his dog's poop in his neighbor's yard. Okay. And he sent us this letter as an alibi wow. to cover his tracks. Okay, so he knows his neighbor's favorite podcast, The, is Flop, the Flop House, House. Yeah. is these three great jokesters always yucking yeah. it up about shitty movies. And so he knows that they're going to hear this letter, uh-huh. and they're going to be like, oh, okay, he can't help it. The dog is doing that. Yeah, and they might not even know it's their specific neighbor that wrote in, yeah. but they're like, you know what? Maybe this happens. Mm-hmm. And this happens if, enough that I can forgive it. And even if it gets a court, the podcast is admissible evidence. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's yes, I mean, admissible or that, inadmissible. Absolutely admissible. Oh, put, no. <laughs> I mean, we all know that we're taping each other. It's yeah. not like it's a wire. Or you something. can put it up on the witness stand and you can't cross examine the podcast. It just keeps playing, you know? <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, well, I think that's a good plan, Dan. Yeah. Uh, Read a letter about dog shitting. <laughs> I have had this dream, guys. It's I think it's achievable. I just need you to support me a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I would like I to mean. put together a, a coffee table book of photos of dogs' faces when they're pooping. <laughs> because they, oh, make, wow. they make the best face that's like this. Most often it's a mixture of like, Kind of fear and also concern. Yeah, that's exactly what they it look is. So, and they look so great. 
<laughs> I don't necessarily need to see, you know, all the business. Yeah. I just no, like the dog's no, face when they're like, I hope nobody grabs me. I like, that's a great idea. Yeah, I like that look of like shame that they have on their face when they're pooping and then like the real like smile after they've done. Yeah, they're like, Oh man, I feel so much better now. But or, also like the terror they have of their own poop. Like they want to get out of there like right yeah. there and then. Like you if you if you want to you, yeah, they have to stay like, to pick it up, they're they they're pushing against the leash. It's like postpartum depression. <laughs> they don't want they have to do it. <laughs> And they're so not that way with other dogs' poop. No. They get their freaking noses all up Yeah, in they it. see another dog's poop. They're like, I'm going to eat this thing. Oh, my God. I bet so it's delicious. Uh, As opposed to us, we're the opposite way. Yeah, our yeah. Our poop, you know? Yeah, we take our poop, and totally I'm like, it. I'm going to eat my own. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Pass it down generation to generation mm-hmm. to our mom's friends. <laughs> Real great. It's a callback. It's a comedy callback. Real solid. Classic bit. Yeah. That's why I'm... That far up on the wrong. I don't even know what that means when we go into our next bit, which is what, Dan? Uh, The final bit of the evening, which is where we make recommendations of uh, movies we've seen that you should watch instead of Pay the Ghost. Okay. Uh, Well, we won't make Jubin go first in case he forgot that this is part of the Uh, podcast. No, but I I just recently watched a movie that I'll recommend, so I I know what to do. Um, You guys go. I'll I'll start out. uh, I watched... Finding Dory, which is not... Oh, good. I was worried you were going to take mine. Just keep going. Not a movie that I uh, think needs my recommendation, because I believe it's like the highest grossing <laughs> animated film ever or something like that. Now. Already? Wow. I, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's spit take. Yeah. <laughs> um, shocked. You bet all that money. Titan A.E.? You bet all that money against Finding Dory being the top yeah, animated oh comedy. God. Oh my god! You're gonna take your thumbs, man. I think oh no, I th- my wife's operation. <laughs> I think I'm right about that. I think that she Finding needs new Nemo. Thumbs. I think they're gonna take my thumbs, and I was gonna pay to have them transplanted onto her. I believe that Finding Nemo was the previous champion, and I believe that Finding Dory has surpassed it. Um, anyway. Uh, one reason that this spoke to me, though, is uh, so I was not the biggest Finding Nemo fan. I liked it, but it didn't really like connect with me because it's a movie about uh, the sort of concern that parents have for their children. And while I can empathize with that, while I can understand it, you know, I don't have that personally in my life. And you love eating fish, so you're just licking your chops the whole movie. <laughs> That's right. It's like, why don't they just? Why doesn't the father just eat the son? <laughs> so the knife and fork and been a bib around you the entire movie. Um, but Finding Dory, in that uh, it's about sort of living with this disability. It's also about learning to live on one's own. It's about Dory like learning to survive for herself. And with like the way things are in my life right now, like surviving for myself is a big concern that I have. And uh, sort of the themes of Finding Dory uh, resonated with me, like the fear of being out there and having to take care of yourself in the world um, and what that means and just having to charge ahead. You also have that memento-like disease, right? I do have that disease. Who are you? Is that a disease? (laughs) I'm your best friend. Injury. I don't know. I have this uh, photograph of you that says, "Don't trust this man." No, 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 no. That's that's Jubin P. I'm Jubin G. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't remember anything, so I assume that Jubin is a very common name in this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't need to get into the plot of Finding Dory. We all have a sense of what that is by now i just wanted to talk a little bit about 
how I found it very personally affecting. So I, I enjoyed it a lot. Finding Dory. Yeah. Thumbs up from Dan. Now, now uh, I think I mentioned this before, but, you know, we got a guest on this episode. So, of course, it's a great jumping on point. Let's so I'm going to throw out a little recommendation, and this is mainly for my man Jubin over Can't there. Can't wait. I'll watch it. Okay, so... This is a movie from 1995. Okay. Directed by a little guy named Luca Berkovici. Okay. Okay, you might know him as the director of a movie called Ghoulies. Okay. Not Ghoulies Go to College. That was someone else. Now, this movie (laughs) in the UK is known as The Matriarch, but here in the United States, it's called. That's right. The Granny. Oh, God. The <laughs> horror Crazy movie, The Cassie Granny? Freak, yeah, it's a horror Castle movie called The Granny. Oh, wow. You, are you familiar with it already? I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think I, uh, in middle school, I rented that movie because I think I'd heard there was a naked scene. Legend tells of a naked scene in the movie The Granny. I write, and there, but there isn't, right? It's just like No, a there butt? are totally naked scenes in The Granny. So let me fill you in in case you don't remember. Yeah, no, remind so me. So the remind movie me. begins in ye olden times uh-huh. where there's a person who's totally possessed by something and this totally badass dude shows up with a ponytail and a sword and he cures that person. Kind of. He doesn't. By curing him, he kills him, I think. Okay, fast forward to present day. This old woman who's got a ton of cash is like, my family wants me dead so they can inherit all of my fucking stacks. What am I going to do? I want to live forever. So she talks to this cool-ass dude with a ponytail who looks very similar to the uh, dude from the beginning of the movie, right? And that dude, who happens to be played by the director of the movie, because he's like, I kept trying to cast fucking badass cool dudes with fucking swords with ponytails. I couldn't find them. I guess I'll have to play the role myself. <laughs> okay, so the granny is like, yo, I want this magical potion. And he's like, okay, I'll serve it to you. But... You can't drink this potion, uh, I don't know, like after midnight? I don't remember it that well. However, she drinks at the wrong time. Of course, she freaks out. At some point, she dies, and her family's like a bunch of shitbags, except for the one kid who's like super hot and beautiful, played by Shannon Worry, who has been in a bunch of movies, but she has glasses and always has her hair in a ponytail, so you're like, she's kind of gross. And everybody in the family's like, you're gross is this, and plain. Is this Shannon Worry as a child, or is this a grown Shannon She's a grown-up. Oh, okay. So, of course, the granny dies, and they take her away, and the family starts partying. Guess what? The granny comes back to life as a magical monster and totally starts murdering everybody. Long story short, we get to a final battle. I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's awesome. So, Jubin, if you have a chance, you should rewatch the granny. Maybe you saw, like, an edited version on USA or something where they cut out all the boobs. You should watch it again because there's totally a ton of that stuff. I'll, I'll I'll definitely catch up with it, if only for the sake of like remembering if I saw those boobs or not all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I'll ah, I want to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, it'll be like you had the memento. Yeah, like, oh, lane. you remember this <laughs> trip uh, down memory lane? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, people that are keeping track at home. Uh, you can check out the Flophouse Recommends uh, wiki website. That ha- keeps track of all the movies we recommend, and you can find out if I have now recommended The Granny more than any other movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, this is oh, just your standard uh, go-to recommendation? It's one of them, uh, and I will try and tell you, Jubin, I don't know how you can watch it. I don't think it's on DVD or oh, on YouTube I'm, anymore. I'm just going to be on a lifelong Christ. quest now to find... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This? Uh, I'm sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's probably on like Daily Motion or something. Okay, I, there's I, there's got to be some YouTube that a compilation of clips that I can just kind of collate <laughs> yeah, together can, and some semblance of the major. That's the moments. perfect way for you to watch a movie is a bunch of clips, and you're like, I, oh, I, just, I, I can just like I click get the a clicker bits. for. I understand the gist of it. 
And isn't that what a movie really is? Just yeah, a, the gist of a plot, scenes. right? I think Godard said that. So I would Ruben, recommend. I think it's your turn. If I, I actually saw two movies over this last weekend. Uh, the Lobster, which I don't know if you guys have talked about recently, no. uh, which I I saw and is interesting, but I don't know if I'd recommend as much as I saw as the documentary I saw, which was Wiener, which uh-huh. was the documentary about Anthony Wiener's run for mayor of New York City after his scandal. Uh, a documentary that he allowed full access to his campaign and that then got inside all access to the dissolution of his campaign once the new allegations surfaced about him uh, continuing his uh, photo sexting with uh, random women he met on the internet. It is a really uh, hard movie to watch uh, in a very... uh, Well, that's when, like, the Carlos Danger stuff came out? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely... Well, yeah, that is actually when it came out. That's actually, okay. exactly when it came out. And it's just, it's very uh, hard to watch because you see the effect it has on him and especially his wife, Huma Abedin, who is a brilliant woman and is an innocent victim in all of this and is being put to the ringer of, of dealing with this while also trying to get her husband elected as mayor. It's an amazing look at like the personal side of that scandal that was just a hilarious joke to everybody two summers ago. Um, so I, w- I would recommend that if you if only just to see... Uh, this, the, just what, how the inside machinations of a campaign works when the head of it is undergoing just the most personal humiliations you have ever seen. Now, you guys, you guys had to write about it quite a bit for the Daily Show when this was happening, right? Did it that, was actually the a, summer that John Oliver John was Oliver hosting was on, yeah. for John. He yeah, was but you, were both, you guys were both yeah. on the show, uh-huh. so did that did that do you think that affected your viewing of the movie much or i think so a lot yeah because it's easy to look at it as a joke while you're going through it to laugh at it and and also not to like absolve him of of any of his you know guilt for it it was but you're uh, like babes come on but you know come what are you gonna do (laughs) sydney leathers i mean the name just just brings to mind so what was it that you thought sydney leathers sounded like i kept trying to get a joke on the daily show that never went through that sydney leathers sounded like an australian bondage door (laughs) it does yeah (laughs) it's it's it it, like actually when you see her later by the election night when she and this became a big story how she was trying to hunt him down at his own you know election night party to humiliate him in front of cameras and confront him and how his campaign had to like sneak him into the back entrance of a McDonald's at the bottom of the floor and get up to his floor the the humiliations he had to endure are watching it now on the other side of it are it's it's actually you forget these politicians are are people and that their families are people who watch yeah. this stuff just you know who endure it just as much as they do it, it was, and there's like a rabid attempt to reveal the most embarrassing and awkward and wacky bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Which is not to say he's not totally guilty of doing yeah, all yeah, no, of, of it. At the same time, though, there is a level of of outrage at his actions that in this in in the spectrum of scandals, sex scandals that have you know that have hit politicians and celebrities in recent years isn't the worst thing in the world. Oh, you guys heard it here first, folks. Shubin yeah. Brang absolves Anthony Weiner. <laughs> I didn't say absolves. I did not say that. I just said mm-hmm. totally exonerates. <laughs> sure. I'm just saying he should be our next president. Yeah, why not? Uh, well, guys, uh, one last thing before we go. Uh, I just want to remind everyone that we're, we are part of the Maximum Fun Network of podcasts, which means that there are a lot of other great podcasts on Maximum Fun. If you go to MaximumFun.org, you can... See them. Uh, Check them out. There's a ton of great shows on there, like The Greatest Generation, Mm -hmm. a fun podcast about Star Trek. 
Yeah. And? With our buddy uh, Ben Harrison, is that his Our name? buddy Ben Harrison. And? Uh, Judge John Hodgman Judge John with our Hodgman enemy, with our... John Hodgman. <laughs> yeah. Or? We got my this. My brother, my brother and me with our buddies, all of the McElroys. Or We Got This with our buddy Mark Gagliardi. Or Pop a Rocket, a show uh, that's about great pop culture stuff. Pop from Rocket. a perspective that isn't just a bunch of idiots like us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of great shows. So uh, check any of them out, and I think you'll be happy. But uh, now it's time to say goodbye. Jubin, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank Appreciate you for it. petting Archie, who's back in your lap again. Yeah, this is a great cat you have. Archie is adorable. Um, yeah. Check his bag before check he leaves, lab. Dan. Yeah. You'll come with me, all right, Archie? We'll build a new life together. <laughs> Get away from this bustling city, um, countryside. So, uh, well... While Dan pets his cat, yeah, I've been sorry. Stuart Wellington. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Shubin Parang. Good night, everyone. Hell yeah. So I really care about this. Uh, you've done this show before, so you know we basically are just going to do a bunch of scenes. Yeah. So just come up with a cool character for yourself. Like oh, a, like okay. A fighter. <laughs> just approaches like the Dungeons yeah, and Dragons. Like a swashbuckler. Thing. Yeah. Let's say uh, my guy does blank. Okay. My guy's very quiet, but he winks all his opinions. So. Okay. That's not going to translate well to this cool, audio, like audio medium. Well, that's but, different, though. Yeah. Don't you want that? Yeah. Every I guess, podcast yeah. the same now. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hello, Brent. Travis. Welcome to Trends Like These. What's Trends Like These, you ask? Well, it's a podcast where we take the, the news trending on the internet and we cover it in podcast form. We go beyond the headlines, beyond the memes to bring you the real story so that when your friends bring it up, you can look real smart. We take things that need to be debunked and we debunk them. And then we take things that need to be rebunked and we rebunk them. We bring you all the details and we give you a spin on it. Our opinions, our thoughts, and we also try to dig up some positive things to talk about so it's not all bummers. Just a couple of real life friends talking internet trends. So join us every Thursday on MaximumFun.org and wherever podcasts are found. 